Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast, episode number eight. Eight We're, already? Yep. Whoa. You guys are cranking them out. out. Yeah. Matt Kabasef and Chris Lillis. Yeah. Two amazing anglers, and I got my guest host over here, Jeff. Yes, yes. Let's surprise. Man. Surprise. Uh, Justin couldn't make it. Uh, we're getting pretty deep into these episodes. Thanks, everyone, for listening so far. We're trying to uh, do the best we can. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, giving everyone great information about fishing, uh, getting to meet anglers, getting to talk to these guys and see, you know, how they are than just a message on Instagram. So uh, let's start off with Matt. Um, tell us about how you got into fishing. Gosh. As a kid, um, we used to go to Big Bear, mm-hmm. maybe five, four or five years old, caught a trout. Uh, and that pretty much started it all. Uh, it, it, it just grew from there. My dad was really not a fisherman. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, I think he wonders where we came from. But <laughs> me, and, me and my brother just went crazy with it from there. And I grew up in Huntington. Yeah. So we had the pier. And uh, I remember going down to the Huntington Pier and fishing diamond jigs and catching mackerel and bonita and things like that. And I ended up doing that for the next, I don't know, eight or ten years. And it grew from there. Amazing. And yeah. then uh, once, what made you start getting into like uh, more serious about fishing, like uh, bass, of course, we know you're an amazing bass angler, uh, freshwater, our salt. Uh, how did that start uh, coming into play with you? It was probably a little bit more by accident, mm-hmm. um, fishing uh, a lot of largemouth bass. And uh, I always wondered how to get into tournaments. And I actually saw a tournament at Lake Paris and um, had no idea how to get started. And I walked into a jewelry store. I want to say it was early 90s. Mm-hmm. It was in the early 90s. And a guy had a bass on the wall. And it just so happened the guy owns Hot Sauce Fish Attracting. Mm-hmm. And I needed something done and there's some work done. And uh, we started talking about bass fishing. And he happened to be the president of a bass club in Orange County and invited me to the meeting. Well, what bass club was it? It was Bass Ackwards. Great. And uh, I showed up at the meeting and... Uh, Fished my first tournament at Lake Castaic in January in the pouring rain. <laughs> um, and it was quite an experience. And then from there, it just went crazy. It's a small rule because, you know, when you talk about that club, 
I just uh, talked to my uncle. My uncle was a member of that for about 20 years, and you guys know each other, so that's kind of a small world, you know? I couldn't amazing. believe it when you said Jim Trujillo. <laughs> it's absolutely Yeah, he'll amazing. love it hearing uh, us talking about him, he, you know? He got in maybe a year, the same year or a year after I did. Yeah. So, yeah, we fished a lot of years together. Yeah, he's he showed me how to fish freshwater. He's a big influence Great in my guy. fishing career. Yeah. A lot of guys in that club who had boats taught me how to fish, taught me how to tournament fish, um, and... Uh, you know, really helped me grow up in the sport. It's amazing. Yeah. So how about you, Chris? Let's hear your story. Um, I grew up in an immigrant family. You know, we're Greek, and um, I, there's a misnomer that, of course, all Greeks are fishermen, right? But, uh, <laughs> you know, my mom and dad got married young, and they were in the restaurant business, so I didn't, I didn't have the chance to have much of an outdoorsy-type life growing up. Yes. Even though I grew up in Long Beach, you know, um, so, um, you know, we'll fast forward about 13 years and, uh, after my mom and dad's divorce, my mother was dated long-term a man named Paul Mukai from Long Beach, mm-hmm. went to the high school I went to event, you know, back in his days. And, um, my first fishing trip was a three day and, uh, <laughs> well, that's that was, a good way to break in. Yeah. Seasick, seasick, seasick big time yeah. for the first few days. Um, God, I wish I could remember the name of the boat. It just escapes me. I was perhaps 11 or 12, and that had to be, what, 1990, 89, 90? Mm-hmm. And um, there was some bluefin around Catalina, and the purseiners wrapped them all up, and we didn't get nothing for two days, and throwing <laughs> up for two days, and the captain decided to stick it out for the guys that paid the money, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Anyway, on the way back, we hit a school of elephant with my first... Uh, Remember those saber rods they used to sell at Turner's? They were like the stroker, the stro- yeah, the seven foot stroker. Dude. <laughs> dude, I with the, with a newel. Remember the maroon rapid hat on it? Yeah, with a uh, pen five hundred jig master twenty pound test. You know, I think I caught twelve test. or thirteen yellowfin tuna between about you know wow. I don't know fifteen and twenty five pounds. You ever owned a pen beach master? Dude, what is this tattoo right here? <laughs> exactly. What is that? Pen Long Beach. Right I had exactly. the beach master with all the Tiburon kits. I mean, you name it. But we'll get into that. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, that was my first real experience um, of, of fishing. Fishing, you know. Uh, shortly thereafter, you know, the like Matt said, the stoke continues, and you'll hit the local lake, and you catch your first largemouth on a, you know, Uncle Josh's pig and jig, and, and yep. you know, and so on and so forth. And then <laughs> it just it just it takes off from there, you know. But I was instantly addicted, so much so that. Um, the landing, this was before Pier Point Landing. It was birth 55 back then. Uh-huh. Acted as my babysitter. Wow. I uh, recently wrote an article in the Bite magazine about that, how my mom being a single mom and, and owning a restaurant, she would drop me off at 6 a.m. at the landing and pick me up at 6 p.m. at the landing. And boy, they taught me how to be a pirate. <laughs> you know, something stuck in a bad way, and something's in a good way. But you know, they, they, they stuck nonetheless. So yeah, that, that's how I got my start. Oh, that's yeah. amazing! Great. So let's uh, let's go back to you, Matt, and uh, tell us about your start as uh, taking it more seriously with the, the saltwater um, angle of it. You know, spotties getting into tournaments with the saltwater. Um, yeah, go ahead and take it from there. You know, saltwater, there were some spotted bay bass tournaments in the early 90s. I don't remember what they were called, but they allowed trolling and all kinds of stuff. And we always did fish bodies in the 80s, and we were fishing a lot of largemouth tournaments. So when these were around, we would go out and fish them. Mm-hmm. And 
in one of those events, that's where I ended up meeting Eric Mann. And this was probably in 90, he would know, I don't, I don't remember, 92, 93. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of some of the first, it was, it was an afterthought. And then um, fast forward a few years, my kids were born in 01. And so I stopped freshwater fishing and I had this boat. And it was just sitting there, and I'd go fish the breakwater. And yeah. I grew up fishing the breakwater. I, I grew up fishing, uh, uh, you know, in the bays. Um, and uh, I met Benny Florentino in the early, mid-'90s. Mm-hmm. And so we'd go out in his old little boat, and we'd go fish calicos. And I remember going with Jack Soul and him over to San Clemente Island. Wow. And it was always fun. Um, but in the back of my mind, I'd always thought, if there's a tournament circuit that was dedicated to saltwater bass, it would be amazing because yeah. you actually go out and catch fish. Versus going to Lake Paris with 110 boats and, <laughs> yeah. and you know, seven teams weigh one 15-inch keeper, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, Eric Bent called me out of the blue because um, I knew Jack Sykes. Uh-huh. And he had gotten my number from Jack Sykes and said, hey, we're going to have a tournament at the Breakwater. And I said, awesome. Because Long Beach Bowhunters used to have tournaments at the Breakwater. They had maybe 10, probably 10 years in a row. They had uh, right before Father's Day. And we used to fish those a lot. So we, of course, I got a couple of guys together. We probably put together three, four teams and we showed up and I met him and I met James. Um, and, uh, they had told me about the circuit and, um, that's how it got started. And that was in when 2000. Gosh, you're asking me tough questions. (laughs) Um, if you ask me what I caught my fish on that night, I can tell you, um, if you ask me what year it was, let's hear that. What did you catch your fish on? Actually, it was dark. And we had a limited fish on cranks, and uh-huh. I was still cranking, and I was throwing a, a black and red DD-22, and I stuck a fish just under eight pounds. Wow. In the dark, it was probably nine o'clock, and I remember the guy was fishing with Robert Reither, and he actually grew up fishing the break wall from the 60s, right? Uh-huh. I mean, this guy, you know, he knew everything about it, and he said, hey, they don't eat cranks at night. And we stuck that fish, and then um, we ended up sticking another real nice, like a seven-pound fish, uh-huh. um, throwing some jigs and whatnot the rest of the night, but... Um, that's where I got, you know, got, like I said, got to know James and Eric and they kind of talked about what they were doing, but the first season I didn't fish, um, still busy with the kids. Yeah. Just, you know, and I had some friends, Alan Rex that had fished the circuit and there it was, we started fishing the tournaments and it was incredible. Yeah. It was a blast. Great. Great. I'll let you take it from there, Chris. What was that now? Tell us uh, how you started uh, being competitive in, uh, saltwater Um, bass fishing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh. You know, growing up on the half-day boat, you know, um, the guys with the skiffs were the kooks. They'd get a little too close to the boat. Yeah, yeah. They'd get yelled at by the aforementioned, the Benny Florentinos. <laughs> what do you call uh, a Parker? Uh, no, not even a Sam, <laughs> but he owns one. That's, that's, a, that's an inside joke for afterwards. Um you know, we kind of uh, we made fun of, of of the of the skiff fishermen, but then Benny gets the first skiff, and then Landon Sveen gets the next skiff, and <laughs> and these are guys that I looked up to. You know that, yeah. that 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 I got to rub elbows with that I thought were, you know, the ten percenters that catch ninety percent of the fish. Yeah. Um, so um, my fishing partner, who still is Brian Marshall, bought a little aluminum. And it was called the Silverfish. It didn't quite have what these guys had. It didn't have a bow-mounted trolling motor. It mm-hmm. didn't have a live well. So there was another team. I don't necessarily get along with one of them, so I'm not going to mention them. But No problem. 
we bought their boat mm-hmm. and it was a 15 foot aluminum boat with a uh, 15 horsepower tiller four stroke mercury and a live well and um prior to that we had been float tubing in long beach harbor and and i think um eric bent mentioned that at that time the inception of websites and chat rooms and the whatnots yes. uh, started to come about not only that but now you can upload pictures so your photo bucket, <laughs> yeah. right? and i believe eric Changed even mentioned um why didn't you blurt out the background blah 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 well we were fishing in long beach harbor brian and i halibut fishing was a big deal back then yeah too we'd sit in that parking lot wait for all these halibut fishermen to walk right by us. They had no clue who we were. They saw us on the internet, <laughs> but they'd just walk right by us. Yeah. And uh, as soon as they left, we'd put in. And, man, I don't know what happened. But back then, you could use a three- and four-ounce crawdad imitation, something dark, like 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 Matt mentioned, a purple or a black or a yeah. red, and, uh, on a half-ounce type jig head and offset it. Kind of like you would, you know, in, in the in the fresh water. And golly, man! I mean, I hate to sound like a numbers guy, uh-huh. but I mean, if we didn't catch fifteen fish at around two and a half to three and a half pounds a night, it was a failure. Yeah, yeah. So much so that people would almost try to stalk us to find out where we fish. So what we do is we'd catch a nice one in our flow tube kick across to the first boat that said Newport <laughs> or any city but Long Beach yeah, and take a picture next to it and everybody would flock to Newport. You know? <laughs> so um, we ended up buying this little boat and going halves on it and uh, there was a little um, uh, tournament. I think it was a brown bagger or the Save the Whale. I don't remember what. It, it was one it. of the ones that was not like a sanctioned. It was just kind of like this little turkey shoe. Yeah. And man, we didn't know shit from nothing back then. We fished the break wall, but mind you, we'd been fishing the break wall now 10 years, Brian and yeah. I. Man, I'll never forget. I couldn't cull fish anymore. My hands were bleeding wow. from five pounders. We ran away with the thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Everybody was 17 and we had like 28 or something like wow. that. Wow. That's big. Never won a tournament since. <laughs> not, not a one after that that was it dude one shot one kill but that's how we got into it and you know who got us into it warren fujinaka it's a scene man it's a scene because we'd be posting these pictures with our our float tube fish and he'd send me little private messages like hey man we got this thing going on and we got 15 20 boats and you guys seem like you'd fit in and i was like well can we use our float tubes <laughs> you know and uh, no unfortunately no you need a live well just like you will see on you know i think that was way before flw so it was bass or something back then you know who cares Probably. anyway um yeah so yeah that was how we got our start man and it was uh it was me and my fishing partner brian it was his son's 12th birthday that night wow and uh yeah we won that tournament and we didn't win shit we won a shimano crucial broomstick this thing was like six feet. you remember that 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 flipping stick that was like this thick mine is still up in my not mouth. a crucial it's, it's that brown one which no was, it's the taramar my god dude you can I lift this it. table i i still have mine i remember when shamlin gave it to me he goes i'm not sure what you're gonna do with this but uh maybe you can fish the break wall with it and you it's you can't fish tuna like, with it let alone the break wall it's like, Grouper or something. Yeah, it's, 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 it's gnarly. Yeah, so that's what we won. But we did win that night a gift certificate. 
for $25 to Pearl Swim Baits at Performance Tackle. There you go. Who I'm good friends with Mark Higashi, who sponsors uh-huh. me, wraps my rods. Mm-hmm. And now I have my own line of Pearl Swim Baits there you called go. Seas Candy yep. from Pearl Swim hey, Baits. And I hey, even man, know that Mike's, before I even met you. <laughs> and Mike's like a brother to me now, dude. Amazing. You know, we saw him today, in fact, fishing funny, with him. Funny story about that. I didn't fish that tournament, but a good friend of mine did. And it, I remember the weigh-in or something when, by the time it was done, it was like 8 or 9 in the morning. It was like some crazy thing. And he was not in a good mood. They were up all night. He hadn't slept. I went over to his house, and I said, hey, how'd you do? And whatever. He weighed 15, 16 pounds. And I go, who won it? And this guy's not a tournament guy. He's just a fisherman. Mm-hmm. He goes, I don't know, man. Some shoemakers and a little aluminum. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> and that was uh, however many years ago it was. Um, well, then it's 22-3 now. It was 13, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. It was a long time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Small world. Yeah. But we were shoemakers. We thought after that, this is it. <laughs> Fuck, these guys are kooks, man. We're going to run away with this thing every time. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't work that way. Humble pie, man. I hope you like how crow taste. Oh, you can't lose it. If you want to enter a tournament, come on down, dude. We'll gladly take your money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I talked about that earlier. Like, yeah. Same thing. You know, coming from a competitive aspect and walking in and doing really good in my first tournament, I remember talking to James like, this is it, man. We're Give us like three more tournaments and we're going to be the winner. <laughs> Anchor yeah, of the year, I'll for sure. Next tournament, DNW. Oh, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> looking around like, what do we, we do wrong? A DNW is did not weigh for those that are <laughs> yeah. not hip. Great. Yeah. Well, since we're on gear, let's talk about what you bring today uh, to show us. We're going to have a little camera footage. And Chris, uh, okay. what rods were you fishing today when you went out fishing? Okay. Um, it's funny. Uh, in the first episode of Eric Bent, you mm-hmm. mentioned a lot of guys like fishing the really heavy gear. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Same but, here. Um, I have since transitioned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a freshwater, saltwater crossover. So I believe the first rod I showcased was a uh, Phoenix K2, which is... It, you can feel the fish breathe on the lure, and I remember Eric saying, Why do you know? <laughs> Sometimes, man, you know, it, it's that that the subtle intricacies. Yeah. I, I'm very technical. I think Matt and I fish well together that way because when we talk about lures and rods and reels, we break them down to the, I mean, to the nth degree. Like it's you know, like well, man, if you could just trick this out this mm-hmm. much, you know, you can get that many more bites, you know. So the first rod I showcased was a Phoenix K2 custom wrap by Performance with the Daiwa Tatula TWS. It's about a 150 size reel, 20-pound uh-huh. braid, 20-pound leader, and a little uh, 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 Daiwa SP minnow that's mimicking the bait that's on the coast uh, right now, uh-huh. a little anchovy pattern. Um, the second one probably was uh, along the lines of the heavier gear, uh, again, a Phoenix uh Inshore M182 heavy. Mm-hmm. So it's a heavy, heavy swim bait rod with a slower taper. Um, with uh, the the lure I mentioned earlier, the Seas Candy, what we call weedless. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of offset owner hook uh, with a flashy swimmer, 10 knot, um, 65 pound braid <laughs> to 50 pound leader. But I, I mean, if you saw some of the fish that we've seen lately, you know, it, it would justify yes. that, 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 that 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 weight um and i believe the third and fourth were 
Um, both Phoenix swim bait rods, uh, both 790s. Um, I like that rod in particular because it's slower. Mm-hmm. So when I break down my rod selection, it's for the lure, not the rod, not yes. the fish. So if my lure has a three-hook application, I'm going to fish a slower rod. Mm-hmm. If my lure has a single hook application, I'm going to fish a faster rod. So when that bite comes, and only men do this. I don't know why women don't. But (laughs) when you get bit on a single hook, it's a dunk. Whereas when you get bit on a treble hook, it's more mushy. Yeah. So you want that rod to load with the mush. Uh So, yeah, both of those rods were uh, Phoenix uh, Ultra Swim Bait Classic 790. Um one with a uh, one ounce warhead and a seven inch seas candy swim bait, and the other one with a Daiwa, I think it was a 170 sinking jerk bait, uh, mm-hmm. both with Daiwa wind reels. Um, and I'm not sure what Matt brought. What'd you bring? What did you bring? Well, I just brought in a couple that um, Chris didn't have. Um, I brought in the basically my entire saltwater creel is Lexa 300s, um, the HD Lexa 300. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last 10 to 15 years, We've gone through a lot of reels. There's a lot of good reels out there. This is about as good as it gets. I mean, yeah. I, I can't imagine there being anything really any finer. I mean, from the, I, I would say simply because of the durability. Yeah. Uh, it's got but, sealed bearings. It, 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 they, they dialed it in for yeah. salt water. You know, yeah. you spend a lot of money on gear. Um, and when you go out, you want it to work. And this stuff, again, fishing it for the last 18 months. And they're just like the day I've got them out of the box. Yeah. And we're talking, you know, San Clemente Island trips, Catalina Island trips, and of course, beating up and down the coast. So yeah. the quality is excellent. Um, the performance is excellent. So um, when I throw... Their customer service is, is excellent. It's impeccable. Yeah. And guess what? They're still right here in Southern California. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Which is important. Um, unlike Chris, I don't get... I don't go through... The custom wrapped rods I did. Mm-hmm. Um, we've I've made a lot of different rods and for a lot of different applications over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, Daiwa's come out with the Proteus rods. I fish the eight foot Proteus, the medium heavy and the heavy. And for me, they're about as. There are a lot of good things about those they, rods too. Yeah. They cover the entire spectrum. They yeah. really do. They make they make a medium, which is probably really good for mm-hmm. uh, more of your hard bait stuff. Um, but for the most part, it's a medium heavy and a heavy eight footer. Great. And it covers the whole spectrum of what you need. Yeah. Sounds like a really good setup. I'm glad you guys explained that because a lot of people, some people don't know what we're talking about. A lot of new guys. So it's cool that you guys could break yeah. that down. And and know? again, not to harp on the conversation you guys had with Eric Bant, but all of my reels have 65 and 80 pound braid. And I, I, I'm right here with you. I have 50 on all. And to my uncle Jim. I go freshwater fishing. He's like, "Why do you have the fucking braid on there?" I'm like, "Cause I want to change it." It's I just fucking put a leader on there, and I'm good to go. I absolutely appreciate the twenty to twenty or the light. I absolutely appreciate yeah. it for how I fish and what I like to do. It's just a completely different thing. So I yeah. think it comes down to preference completely. I don't think you necessarily catch more fish or one way or the other, but it comes down to preference and and definitely. And, and, and if you see how this guy fishes, you've never in your life seen or heard a snap and a swing like this guy. I mean it loading is loading that thing up, huh? Loading. <laughs> it's a bullwhip. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you hear it from the other side of the boat. I mean you're like, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, it's it's less about fighting the fish and more about getting the fish in the boat. There you so. go. 
Yeah. It's again, a couple of different philosophies. They all work great, but for my preference, that's what I like. Definitely. Definitely. So let's go over uh, another thing we're trying to do now, since you guys are in the second month of this, uh, people want to have a beginner tip. So say someone's just getting into spotty and they want to know, um, just a basic tip you can tell them, maybe something you're good at and you can kind of break down a little bit. This is what I do. This is kind of how I fish it. You know, maybe your, your technique of, uh, you don't have to give anything away, but oh, there's no know. secrets anymore. <laughs> there used to be before the internet, but yeah. there's still, <laughs> not anymore. Huh? There's no secrets. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, a, a tip I give a lot of people is I think a lot of people are looking for the secret bait, right? They're mm-hmm. looking for that secret presentation or that secret spot or that secret cast or, you know, what is it? Is it fluorocarbon to a special hook with a special color? I mean, what is it that these guys are doing? And my tip to them is, is that I don't care if you have the greatest lure in the world. I don't care if you're fishing with dynamite. Mm-hmm. If you're not fishing where the fish are, you're not catching anything. Yeah. You just aren't. And so I spent a lot of years when I first got into freshwater fishing, buying thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars in jigs and worms. And, and I mean, it's, you should see my garage from the nine. It's, it's, it's it, this stuff never goes bad. Right. Yeah. And the reality is, is that the bulk of my fishing came down to a brown or black jig yeah. and a purple worm. And there's some little nuances when you dial it in, but it, it came down to finding the fish. And so I think what happens a lot of times, especially with young anglers is, is that they come into it, They'll be fishing an area and they'll say, you know what, maybe this color will get them going. Yeah. And instead of applying that time um, to saying, you know what, let's go find some fish that are biting. I think they're applying their time more to um, let's try and find that secret lure, that secret bait. And me and Chris talked about it today. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. You know, when they pull the curtain back, mm-hmm. it's just a little old man pulling some controls. There's no wizard. There's, there's no secrets out there. Yeah. And I've had guys come fishing with me, and I think when they got out of the boat, they might have been a little disappointed. Like, I, I think he was holding out on me. There's nothing <laughs> secret. Well, like, he just cast it out. And real, yeah. In fact, he never changed his swim bait. He kind of just threw a brown one once in a while, and that was it. And that would probably be the best piece of advice is that spend time, get some good gear, get some good swim baits, get some, whatever it is that you want to yeah. fish because it all works. I mean, swim baits work, Alabama roots work, spinner baits work. I mean, it all works, but spend the time understanding the fish a little bit, learning the fish, learning the tides, learning the water clarity, learning the bait movement. You know, remember when you caught a fish, especially a nice fish, you know, if it's a spotty over a pound and a half, yeah. it wasn't there by accident. Mm-hmm. Those fish aren't there just because there's a very specific reason that fish was there. And if you can, begin to understand that how the tide movement is how much water is moving things like that that's going to take you a lot further than trying to find the secret bait definitely yeah um you know before i answer that question i want to it's funny that you asked that today we lost a pioneer a true legend Mm -hmm. in fishing the word legend gets thrown around so often nowadays people call me a legend i ain't no legend dude Mm -hmm. i'm lucky okay I'm lucky enough to fish with this guy and learn from him. But I want to just say a rest, big old rest in peace to Mike Gardner. Yeah. Probably the originator of spotty fishing. The originator. No, literally the, yeah. the, originator. the originator. Okay. Wrote a book, Fish Have No Hands, Dude. which we laughed at. Because, <laughs> of course, he didn't, like, we, I, my partner Brian and I would be like, let's write a book called The World is Round. 
<laughs> but I can't tell you how many times fishing with Chris, he's like, hey, fish don't have hands. Well, I mean, we've been using that that saying for 20, 25 years. <laughs> so he, yeah, he passed today, man. And I'll tell it's you sad, what. man. You know, without guys like that, that paved the way, the mm-hmm. Jack Souls, the, you know, et cetera, the Mike Gardeners of the world, I couldn't tell you what my go-to spotty kit is. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, just man. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. That, 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 that big, what do you have? That big triton in the sky, yeah. man. Sit, on that, sit up on that <laughs> yeah. bow and don't let your paying customers cross that goddamn yeah. center console because he never did <laughs> but he was a good man a better fisherman and and an ambassador to a sport that's so very localized yes you know and uh, he gave it his all man and, and you know teaching. what a perfect fitting question for a perfect fitting day yeah for such a legend a real legend mm-hmm. to have passed today so uh yeah rest easy bud man you know you guys taught us a lot of stuff um to get to your question, you know, I can go on for days about a a kit. You know, just familiarize yourself with your gear, and I'm going to take a page out of uh, Mark Wish's book. There's no experience for experience. Yeah. Time on the water turns on the prop, man. That's what I've heard. Time That's on it, the water. Baby. Everyone listening. Time on the water turns on the prop. Time yep. on the water turns on the prop. Fail, fail, mm-hmm. fail. Fail a little more. Mm-hmm. And while you're failing, fail some more. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's um, how you learn. Yeah, man. What did, what, did, what did I say today? Experience, you know, luck is when experience meets preparation, preparation, or something like that. You know, it's mm-hmm. so I, it's funny that you asked that. You know, because in this fishing, oh man, fishing has parallels to life that are these nuances that. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The, yeah. You know, the, I can go on for days. We, about, we used about 50 of them today. <laughs> yeah, really okay. But, when it but, rains, it pours, right? Right. All of them, all of them. You know, but at the end of the day, man, I mean, there's nothing like, oh, shit, man, I've lost girlfriends over it. I've lost, uh, you know, friends over it. Um, I used to be, man, I was, I'm from Long Beach, man, and I'm from a part of Long Beach that ain't exactly nice. Yeah. And, uh. My boys are just like, man, fishing? Really? <laughs> all they want to do now is go fishing. Yeah, that's awesome, you know? bro. So I never thought I'd associate the words cool and fishing, but it's becoming cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, I did it more, and the more that I did it, the better I got. Just like golfing or anything else, it's a muscle memory sport. So, yeah. you know, I mean, to, honestly, if I had to give a tip-tip to somebody new, mm-hmm. familiarize yourself with your gear. Yeah. Don't go crazy. Don't buy the fanciest 
rods and reels. You're not going to need them yet. Mm-hmm. Buy something comparable, mid-level, and figure it out. You know how I learned how to cast? I took a Newell 220, mm-hmm. a Calstar 270, and half a wooden clothespin with 20-pound line, and I went to the park. And that's how I learned how to cast a collar hooked anchovy. Yeah. You know? Yep. I'm sure you did, too. I did the exact same thing exact for hours thing. upon hours upon hours. Upon backlash upon backlash <laughs> upon backlash. <laughs> exactly so, how we learned. Yep. I did that, but I was like 30 years old when I started doing it. Yeah, <laughs> right, well, like, baby's taking hey, a nap. Hey, 30 or 13, pitch. man. I'm pitching into the little buckets in front of my house or whatever. Hey, right now I can go to Fred Hall in those little buckets. Yeah. Have. I'll put 30 for 30 in those. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, there's so much information now on the internet. And in, in, I think when Chris and I first started fishing, before the internet, right? Um, we had to go out and fish. Yeah. Like, we didn't know what was possible. I mean, literally, Mike Gardner was your source of information. He was the internet. That mm-hmm. book on Spotties, that was it. Yeah, you yeah. go to Fisherman's Hardware yeah. on, on Anaheim yeah. and Temple, and you shot the shit with the old timers. And it. hopefully, yeah. they'd throw you a bone. So, yeah. So, we had to go out and fail and fail and fail and learn and fail and invent baits and lures and, and techniques and, and try different things. And I think it's great with everything that's out there on the internet now. It's it's awesome. I mean, you can literally become you know an internet pro pretty quick. Yeah. But I think what's some of the some especially the new anglers again, what I would tell them is is that you got to get out and you got to you got to spend the time on the water and you got to fish. Yeah. Um, Finding this stuff is neat. Seeing where all the secret spots are is neat. Um, but go spend the time and learn it yourself because you can't explain that on no, the internet. Same spot, different conditions, different day. I mean, it, it all changes. Oh, it and, does. And, and you learning. That was the hardest thing for me, just figuring out, okay, wait a minute. This this didn't fish this way the last time. Well, the, what, what is the, 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 I tell people all the time, and this is no slight to the freshwater fishermen because mm-hmm. – in my opinion, they'll load a fish in a bucket. They don't got nowhere to go. That makes it you know, 10 yeah. times harder. Yeah. However, the ocean is the ultimate equalizer. Oh. It's never <laughs> static. Yeah. We were talking today about yeah. micro, 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 micro conditions. Yep. An eddy within a current line within an eddy. Wow. And that's where your 10-minute window of, 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 of fish will be. Your situational awareness has mm-hmm. to be so spot on. Yeah, you miss it. Yep. <laughs> done. And it's done. It's literally, I've we, been in bites where it was five We minutes. had what? Three bite windows today. Three. All day long. We fished for 10 hours. Wow. Um, and we had three very short windows when the fish bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that situational awareness, you know, Chris would point out a bird. He would point out the, just whatever it happened to be these small little small tiny things that you can never learn online yeah that just from being on the water for years where it's hey let's make the move let's go over there look at the water color there look at the current break look at what's going on and sure enough we would find that next little eight to ten minute window put three four five fish in the boat and then spend the next three hours looking for the next one and it's not a zig instead of a zag more as it's of course over time the guessing game plays, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like I was telling Matt, and I was telling a, a young man that I spoke to yesterday, man, fish talk, dude. Just people don't listen. Yeah. Okay? They talk to you, dude. You know, you just got to hear. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, like you said, it's... What about boat positioning? 
if I'm not getting bit while my boat while we're fishing port side, yeah. you flip the boat around first catch on. Yeah, yep. you know. And if you can't figure that out, if you did not notice that, yeah, then you will never excel. You just think that you flipped it. We talked about it today. Four fish on four casts on the same lure. You know what we do? Cut it off and put a different one on. That's it. <laughs> Never try and, satisfied. Try and make it better. <laughs> hey, those were only three and a half pounders. Let's go find five pounders. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And, Definitely. Uh, yeah, we did that a bunch of times today. But that's what separates the pits from the poodles. Yeah, it's dead on. You know? That was one of the toughest things for me. The yeah. three or four years is to really, I couldn't get it. And I finally got to fish with some of the seasoned guys like yourself. And then it just all started to click. And it was all about how to read it quicker and to be more aware of your surroundings. And then, like you said, those windows open up. Yeah, they do. You know what the hardest part is? Is to trust it when you see it. Correct. (laughs) Most guys will, "Ah, you know what? I saw that going on. And I just, and I hear it at the dock after every tournament, every single one. The exact same story, but you got to trust it. Yep. I got lucky recently and got a local fish up at PV about a month ago, and I was showing Matt the pictures of the fish, and a lot of guys were like, eh, that doesn't look that big. Him and I know the uh, characteristics yeah. of what a true calico looks like, especially in the environment that you caught it in. Mm-hmm. A Clemente fish is going to be thinner and faster and longer. Yeah. Uh, a Catalina fish is going to be more robust. A PV fish has this... It's as if they have this panache that mm-hmm. they know that if they get over eight pounds, that they are king daddy, or king mama, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm showing him this fish, and I'm explaining to him, you know that cast that you go over a thousand times or that you've made a thousand times? This fish was on a piece of kelp. I'm sorry, guys. This is radio, so you can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> it was on a piece of kelp like this. Current was going downhill. I knew if I made that cast as the wind blew me here, by the time my bait got here, I can kick it up a notch on my reel so it'll tickle that tip of that kelp. And this fish didn't swipe at it. I didn't need to set the hook. Mm -hmm. It ate it full speed, big hook, top of the mouth, three cranks up and over in the boat, all eight and a half pounds. Wow. I've gone over that scenario 30,000 times in my head, and there she was. In 68 feet, not 52 feet, mm-hmm. because that's where she lives. She might not know it yet. She might know it. I might not know it yet. <laughs> I might know it. But I know if I keep doing what I've been doing, and I've watched this guy do it, that it might happen. Yeah. And there it was happening Definitely. in front of my eyes. Full speed. Oh, man, it was rad. <laughs> it, it, it's, those are the things yeah. that... The proverbial pat on the back of your own back. Yeah. Yeah. I got, yes, I'm getting it. Mm -hmm. And then you go back next week and you catch zero. (laughs) (laughs) So so there's that. Truth be told. (laughs) Especially in PB. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. So give us a, uh, we'll start with you, Matt. Mm -hmm. Give us a big um, rookie mistake. It could have been a boat. Something you did bad with oh the boat, uh, lost a rod, and a God, I got a good one. I've been waiting to answer this. Go, Matt, you first. <laughs> so I like people to tell, hey, you're a human too, you know? Oh, that's a Vonnegut <laughs> quote. How embarrassing <laughs> to be human. We used that today too, didn't we? Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut? <sighs> a rookie mistake. Yeah. I still make them today. I, I, I wouldn't call it a rookie mistake. 
I mean, beyond launching your boat without the plug and, you know, everybody's done that. Maybe not, but I have. Um, <laughs> you know, beyond reaching back with a crankbait and catching a rod and throwing it in, in the water. Yeah. I've done that. And that'll still happen from time to time beyond hooking your partner. Um, <laughs> I would say the single largest mistake I made tournament-wise, uh-huh. not just fishing-wise. And this was after probably... I don't know, maybe 15, 16 years of tournament fishing. We were fishing the Offshore Challenge, and we were in day two, and I think we were sitting in third place after day one. And so my, my second or third cast, I had a seven and a half, eight pound fish and came back with another five pounder. And mm-hmm. the guy, Dennis, that I was fishing with, he, he, he gets another nice four pound fish in the boat, and you start feeling like you're going to win the tournament. Well, day one... We were putting every fish in a bait tank, and to call those fish was a nightmare. My hands were bloody. I was soaking wet, and we called 35 times. Uh So I didn't want to do that again. And I told Dennis, I said, listen, if I'm going to weigh a a two-and-a-half-pound fish, we're probably not going to win, and we're just going to go out to win this tournament. So a few casts later, I stick about a a two-and-a-half-pounder, day two. I ain't calling this thing later. I throw it back. A few casts later, I stick another two-and-a-half-pounder. I throw it back. <laughs> Dennis catches another fish. I don't know what it was. I, oh, actually, he didn't. He already had his fish in the boat. And I think I catch another keeper. And we never caught another keeper the rest of the day. Oh, man. Now, we're at San Clemente Island, the greatest calico bass fishery in the world. Um, catching five fish is basic. And we weighed three fish that day. And it cost us probably not the win. Um, it cost us a second place in 15 to Hundred to two thousand bucks. Wow! Because I decided to throw back a couple of two and a half pounders. So, God. yeah, that was a gigantic mistake. <laughs> I would say, man, man, um, mine's a little more silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brian and I had a thirteen whaler, and we were going what we thought was north because Long Beach is cut out a different way. So Palos Verde is north. This particular tournament was out of Marina del Rey. I mean, I guess it's still north, right? (laughs) Why not? Sure. And we weren't very seasoned. It was maybe our second year. And um, Brian's like, how do you throw the iron for Calico Bass? Well, you know, you buy this rod, you buy this reel, and you buy this jig, and you cast it up as close to the sand as you can. You start turning the handle. So we're practice fishing. I swear on my mother, his first fish on the iron ever was a 9.3-pound Calico bass. I'm mad. And for the next two, three weeks, we roped the backgrounds and the pictures and everything on the SWBA (laughs) site like a bunch of kooks, okay? (laughs) Nobody believed us. Dude, we get up there. We had a 13-whaler. There was no open-air fueling, Mm -hmm. so we had six gallons to work with with a little 40-horse. Well, we get to the area that we had obviously posted in the pictures. There was not a boat there. And we're like, look at ourselves. What's going on, you know? <laughs> My first cast, I get an eight and a half. Wow. Brian gets a seven and a half his next cast. I get a six and a half. Anyway, we go back to the weigh-in, and I'll never forget this ever in my life. Jerry Mayhew goes, those fucking kooks put a cull tag in an eight and a half pound bass. Like, they're going to call it out. <laughs> That was more of a humbling 
experience <laughs> than an Like you were going to call an eight Right, like I'm going to call an eight pounder, right? <laughs> well, in hindsight, hey, man, maybe I need to get it out of my tank, you know, but yeah, in yeah. the me, I know what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we weighed 20 some odd pounds of straight slug calicos on the iron and still lost it. Wow, who won the who won that one? Eric Johnson and the Sam Bass that we yeah. talked about today. Yeah. Oh, what a good wow. stand. Hey, EJ, you're one hell of a fisherman, oh, yeah. bud. There was nobody. I'll better. lose to you every time, bud. There was <laughs> hey, Eric Bent talked about him changing the rules. Yeah, yeah. I explained that to him too. Yeah, yeah. That about that San Diego tournament. It was a uh-huh. Bay tournament. It was. Yeah, that guy. That guy. He is a. Um, there's there's two different kinds of fishermen. There's your chuck and wind. Mm-hmm. Um, Power through, make them eats, mm-hmm. and there's your cerebral guys. Yeah, he's a and cerebral doesn't scratch the surface when talking about Eric Johnson. Wow. He's more than that. Wow. And one hell of a fisherman. I don't know if this is true. EJ, maybe you can come on this podcast and straighten this out. <laughs> but the rumors that I hear is he would take the chip out of his fish finder and put it in his computer at home and look at all the structure he drove over all day to find that one little rock. Wow. Who knows? It's a lot of work. Yeah. Rumors. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? So let's hear uh, the, the story about your big uh, Catlico. I mean, it's. I know you said it in another uh, media outlet, but maybe if you could uh, run over it again for us. You know, um, it's just, it's mired in, 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 he's a liar. It's mired in BS. It's mired in weirdness. Um, it was August. I don't remember what year. My kid was born, so it was post-2003. Uh, Brian and I went up north. I caught a big sand bass. I had to get still the little whaler. Mm-hmm. Crappy little Rapala scale. 9, 2, 10, 1. 9, 2, 10, 1. Dang it. Couldn't get, a, <laughs> get the stick. Threw it back in. Caught a bigger fish. It's a calico. Same story. Never going to catch a big one. Never going to get my 10, ever. Next week, you go to the wall. First cast, this one's stuck on the scale, 9.1. I've never in my life been so angry at a nine-pound fish <laughs> ever in my life. Um, a few casts later, we're running down the wall. I just see this little blip on our crappy hummingbird fish finder that we had so i didn't cast out the wall i cast behind it uh one ounce uh i think they call them brush jigs revenge makes them but it's a jig where the line tie is in the lead and there was a point in time where god i mean all of us have done it where we pour our own lead you just go crazy you want to make every lure pour your lead make your (laughs) hooks you know paint them so it was a lure that i painted poured skirted the whole nine yeah and i drop it down and i'm bit as soon as it hits the bottom and uh, get a few cranks on it. Gnarly red tide that night. So I don't know. Again, we're sorry, guys. You're on radio, so you can't see this. But this table looks about four by four, five by five. Mm-hmm. You could see the thing coming up from 30, 40 feet. And the way it was fighting, again, I grew up on the half-day boat. It fought yeah. like a cabazon or like a big sheephead. You know, mm-hmm. just, wah, wah. And... Um, I'll never forget the look on Brian's eyes. He had his headlamp on, and this fish is planing out. He's going to get the net to scoop it, and his eyes are as big as basketball. <laughs> and he goes, it's the biggest galico I've ever seen in my life. Scoops it up. One reading, red 11 and change. 
One reading red 13 and change. Years pass. We had a phenomenal bite at Catalina for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I personally saw quite a few 11 pounders on the boat and quite a few, more than a few 10 pounders caught. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, my fish was definitely not 9, 10, 11, or 12, I don't think, from what I saw. Yeah. Uh, an absolutely beautiful specimen of a fish. Um, wow. Um, two, three years ago, I'd fight you outside if you told me it wasn't. <laughs> Today, I'm okay with not yeah. knowing. Um, I just know that I've seen a 13-3 from a gentleman down in San Diego. And, um, yeah, my fish wasn't 13 either. Wow. Yeah, so who knows, man? Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of popped my cherry a little young. He may sue you for that statement, by the way. Oh, that's right. He's an attorney. Exactly. I didn't say his name. <laughs> This, this is all. This is all hearsay. I didn't say his name, <laughs> and I called him a gentleman for Christ's sake. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, we talked about the fish today. God, it's gill plate. It was wow. bigger than both my hands. Its peck fin was bigger than both my hands. In the pictures, there's no camera tricks. Yeah, there's a few pictures that I haven't even put on that. I just told Brian this is before his cell phone pictures. Mm-hmm. He had a little digital. Just keep taking them. Just take, take, take. <laughs> and there's a picture where I'm standing next to it trying to get the jig out of its mouth. Yeah. And it's almost halfway up my hip. Oh and my the, God. the tail's touching the floor. I mean, it was almost 30 Huge. inches. Huge. Yeah. And, and a beautiful specimen. Not a nick out of her fin. Wow. It, it, she still had her checkers intact. Wow. Because, you know, when they get big, they kind of mute. Uh huh. And um, yeah, man, she's still there. Everybody asks, <laughs> where'd I get a big one? Figure out Catalina, figure out the break wall, and you just yeah. might get lucky. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's it. You wow. Know? Yeah, so that's that's that, man. And we <laughs> let her go. And, uh, you know, we'll never know. And like I said three years ago, I was not okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Today, I'm more than okay with that. That's good. You know, yeah, yeah, but that's a whole other story for a whole other <laughs> <day>, so. <laughs>